You're listening to Version Control, Pounding Grain's digital news podcast. Is he a writer, a producer, a musician? He's all of the above and more. Today, we've got Nick Kewen in the hot seat, lover of all things outdoors and, most recently, wearing comfy Crocs with socks around the office. And if you're wondering, Jackson does not approve. All quirks aside, Nick is a man of many talents and many interests, and is our resident P&G everything man. Our podcast listeners know him as the skeptic, the existentialist, the voice of reason that, when the rest of us are hyped about new tech, says, but think of the children! And we love him for it. From keeping us in check to keeping us laughing, Nick's a unique character that's exactly what makes Pounding Green Pounding Green. So let's get to know him even better. Version Control presents The Hot Seat, featuring Nick Kewen. Welcome back to Version Control. It's me, Ivana, and I'm kicking off the episode because today we have Nick Kewen in the hot seat, everyone. Yeah, wow, hi. <laughs> Everyone's very familiar with Nick, but I think there's still a lot that people don't know about you. Mm-hmm. And this is a weird shift in the podcast power dynamic, so I just realized that I'm kind of like awkward and nervous for some reason. Wahaha, I have the power. Ugh. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself to start off? Who are you? And in the world of Pound and Green, what do you do? Who am I and what do I do is always a qu- good question for everyone, kind of, because like it was alluded to, I am something of a master of none, meaning I dabble in a lot of different things. Jack of all trades, master of none. Jack of I think all you're trades. a master of some. I don't know about master. I'd like, I, I would love to say that I was a master of everything. The way that I sort of jump around into lots of different things is like maybe considered a, like at times I consider it a failing, but I have this sort of like arrogance that I can learn anything. And then of course go to do it and it's like, oh wow, these things are actually hard. So some of them have, you know, bitten the dust and some I keep going with depending on how useful they are to my life and or interests. So yeah. So what's your title at Pound and Grain? I'm a content specialist. <laughs> content or yeah. content? No, content. <laughs> Focused <laughs> on ensuring everyone's general contentedness. Oh, man. No, Getting- I'm a content boy. I create content in general. Um, but I was officially, originally uh, brought on more as a writer, which I still am. Uh, whenever things come down the pipeline that need to be written and I'm the one to do it. I'm happy to take on those challenges, but also I do a little video work here and there, do some video, uh, the production side of the video stuff, and also do all the recording and editing of the podcast. Yeah, you're a bit of an audiophile, I would say. Yes and no, because I mean, I'm not a recording engineer um, as much as I'd like to be, but it's always like I've learned as much, and I'm, I'm you know constantly learning more, but it's, it's been a process of learning as I go. And this, it all stems from me like trying to make music on my own. Humble brag. No, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like it's a brag because I'm still trying to make it better all the time. And I used to um, rely on people around me more, um, but that's tough. You know, like, especially if it's a passion project for me, friends will come out and help. 
but also they have their own lives and they're busy and I don't necessarily want to pay strangers to do, you know, help, help me do these things. So by and by, I just started picking them up on my own. So how, how did your journey at Pound and Grain start though? Were, were you a stranger to them or like, how did, did you know Jackson? No. So Pound and Grain used to share a office space with Smack, which is more of an experiential marketing agency based out of Vancouver. They shared an office in Vancouver. And then um, when Jackson moved out here to start Pounding Grain Toronto, he jumped into an office with them as well. And one of the guys that worked there at the time, I was acquaintances with. I won't go too into deep, deep into how I, how I knew that friend, but I will say that it, I didn't know him very well. <laughs> I met him on, uh, we, we did a, me and a few friends did a charity bike ride uh, for November, back when November just started. And uh, it wasn't very well known at the time. So we had the idea to do this bike ride to Ottawa just for fun. And then one of the guys who was smarter than me, because that wasn't my idea, but said, how about we pitch it to a few sponsors to get them to pay for stuff for us? And then, you know, hopefully it'll be for a good cause as well. So one of them knew a guy that worked at Movember. And then the guy who worked at Smack also was volunteered at Movember. And um, he helped us along the way by like getting us places to stay. He got us like, he was a radio DJ at the time. So he got us onto some like local radio stations on the way out to Ottawa to talk about all this stuff. And then, you know, got us on some television spots that were like, yeah, we were on like breakfast television at like 5 a.m. to to kick off this bike ride. Beards and bikes, mustaches, right? For November. Um, anyway, so that's a long story, but that's how I knew him. And then I was going back to school. I'd already finished a degree, and then I was going back to school for uh, digital media marketing, which is the first year that the program had been offered from George Brown. And I needed an internship. I ran into that very friend out and about started talking and he was telling me that he was sort of in that game now. And I said, uh, you know, awesome. Where are you working? I'd love to like learn some more about it. So when time for an internship came around, I reached out to him. He said, we're not looking for anyone, but there's this guy here who just moved to town. He's got this very exciting company that you might want to reach out to directly. So I like cold emailed Jackson. And he liked you. Yeah, and he brought me in to just have a chat and in his um, sort of like informal Jackson way. I think Jackson sort of operates on sort of a um, gut feeling type of thing with people. Um, So he didn't even really ask, like we didn't, it wasn't very rigorous sort of interview or anything like that. I was nervous. I remember that. But then it was just a chat. We just Mm -hmm. chatted about stuff. So I think Jackson, you know, I mean, there's no, he's got no real skin in the game other than having to like have some guy around for a few months. (laughs) Wait, so this was still when it was just Jackson? Just Jackson. It was, uh, it was just Jackson sitting in a corner by himself in this office. Um, He was just trying to hire a friend. He says, yeah, totally. He needed (laughs) some, some, some company, Um, which he did, you know, because there was work to be done, but yeah. And how long ago was that going on, you know, four years ago, I think. 
2015. So in in the four years, you've kind of bounced around between being an intern and then being mm-hmm. freelance with Pound and Grain mm-hmm. and then being full time. Yeah. Content. Content. Content person. specialist. <laughs> um, What's been your favorite or most memorable project in all that time? Uh, I would say the one that we did recently that involved... We got to have a little bit of fun with it and was sort of like outside of the scope of things that we would normally do. We hired a dancer. There was animation involved. So um, it ended up being a really cool product, but it was more the lead up that was really fun. It was exciting trying all these, you know, sort of like throwing out some crazy ideas and having the client amazingly think that they were pretty you know, fun sounding. So, uh, they wanted to spend money. They wanted to spend money on it. So that was exciting. Um, that so, was you as a video producer, right? Yes. So that was a fun one. Um, and then I'm proud of what version control has yeah. evolved into because, uh, that at first was, as we've talked about before, um, just Jackson's sort of like random idea to have, cause he just like podcasts and, um, needed some general content for the agency. So I, at the time, didn't really know much about podcasts. And also they were not, it's not that they weren't popular, but they weren't as mainstream as they are right now. Um, so I didn't really see the full potential. And then it's become this fun ongoing show that has like a life of its own and yeah. recurring cast of characters. And so that's pretty cool. So you've, you kind of focus in on, like, so you're a writer, but then you've done a lot of video production. Mm-hmm. Um, here at Pound and Green, we have a lot of people called digital producers, which are kind of like the match, the, the mesh between account management and then like project management. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of like our angels from above, <laughs> really. And then, but then there's video producers and really like, I think you're the only one in all of Pound and Green. So what does that entail like? And what's the difference like? Yeah, so... I think, you know, the word producer is, is sort of nebulous in general because there's so, it's, it's, it's slapped on to so many different roles. Um, I think in the world of like commercials or movies, what I'm doing would be more a production manager. Um, so, well, it, it, or a coordinator. Uh, it, but basically it's, in a lot of ways, doing all those little things that nobody thinks of or wants to do mm-hmm. necessarily. So uh, if it all goes seamlessly, you know, no problems and everything's on time, then you know that whoever was the producer did a great job. Um, but it mostly means just like, well, when you, when you create a video, the actual shoot day is so many moving parts logistically mm-hmm. that most people would never consider until you start actually creating them. Like, how does everybody get there? What time do certain people yeah. show up? When and how and where do we eat? Do we have insurance? Um, what gear are we getting? How are we getting the gear around? From where are we getting it? Are we buying it? Um, and then and that entails, you know, of course, all the like camera equipment. And then there's auxiliary sort of like grip and lighting. Grip is like all of the hardware. So stands and things like that. Frames. Uh, and then all the way down to, you know, do we have uh, extension cords and gloves and, you know, clips and, and milk, tape. And milk-free sandwiches for Ivana. And milk-free sandwiches <laughs> and hopefully Apple boxes and things like that. So it's just, a, there's a lot happening and a lot to consider. And that's just all the, like, the 
um, sort of the, the hardware yeah basically and then you get into even more when you start dealing with talent you need some of them are unionized and then there's the ones that aren't you need to, to, to work out their rates in that case if they're unionized they have all the rates set but you have to be very careful with the hourly on their rates because it goes the budget can skyrocket and even if, if they're not performing talent or it's just like an interview style thing then you have to coax these people who are not used to doing this type of thing into this environment at the right time and then mm-hmm. have them sort of not you know get freaked out by all the stuff that's happening around them you know it's just there's there's a there are a lot of things to consider well i can say firsthand that i've seen you in action on set because we did a production together with a client mm. um and that went super well super smooth so pat on the back to you um but also pat on the back to you because i think you've been crucial to pound and grain developing like our in-house production capabilities um mm-hmm. and like really bringing that to life um is that something that you want to like keep continuing to do like are you doing projects like that on your own time or what kind of passion projects are you doing on the side what's your what's your side hustle nick yeah okay so great question because i don't think i'm ever totally sure either i'm just i'm I wish I was more of the planning type, but I'm a bit of the skating through life and hoping for the best type. Um, the one thing that I know is I like um, being involved in projects. I like making things, and as much as, frankly, shoots are a huge pain in the ass, huge pain in the butt, <laughs> they are also super exciting and fun. I think they're a ton of work, but the work is is gratifying when you see the result and it's also it's like it's fun to just do these things that are outside of your normal life which is every shoot that I've ever been on it's you're usually going somewhere interesting being surrounded by interesting people and doing something that's sort of a one-shot deal where you're not gonna that the they're kind of snowflakes in that sense they're never the same uh, twice well I guess they can be, but <laughs> usually, usually they're a little bit different. So yeah, I guess it all did come about because I was producing my own stuff to some extent, like with my sort of like indie shorts with friends and the idea of me doing that, like all the producing side came about more just because somebody needs to do it mm-hmm. and nobody really wants to. A lot of people say that they want to until it comes right down to it. And especially if it's indie stuff and you're paying out of pocket. So it's the only way to maintain momentum. Like I, I want it to be a writer director, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but of course everyone wants that glory and glamor. <laughs> you still can be. Sure. But someone's got to get their hands dirty to make it happen in the first place. And most people don't want to necessarily get their hands dirty to that extent for your project. Yeah. Like they will for their own, which I guess I, I did too, but I, I've also done it for other people's. Like I think that a lot of people would be, have better skills at that particular thing. Although, you know, it's incremental learning. I've learned a lot about it since I, I started. Well, that's the good thing about you kind of dabbling in all these different buckets mm. because now you have way more experienced than most. And when the, when the opportunity comes where someone's like, we need someone to do this, can you? Like the answer is almost always going to be yes. Uh, hopefully. Or fake I mean, until you make it kind of thing. Like totally. you'll figure it out. Yeah. And I, th- I think with the producing thing, um, everyone that you do, there you come across some challenge. That's the first time you've ever done it. Um, did you have to learn? You know, like 
I've never done anything that required a crane or like (laughs) underwater shots, but after you procure all of that and know how to go about it Mm -hmm. once, I'm sure that next time it comes around, you're like, oh yeah, that's a snap. I've done it before. Well, I think that can apply to many, many facets of life. Um, And speaking of challenges and, and learning from your mistakes, one question from somebody on the team who I'm going to guess was Scott. <laughs> question is, where does the phone name Spicy come from? The phone name Spicy. Okay, so. <laughs> and who is it? What is it? Tell us, give us the backstory. Yes, so in, in this latest stint of me being a part of the Pounding Grain team, I was brought on to fill the role of Ivana, who's sitting across from me uh, while she was on vacation. Oh yeah, that is when it started. Yeah. So I was just, that was a temporary, it was a couple months type of thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, most of that was for writing and to work on the podcast stuff, but, uh, a, a sort of auxiliary component of it was to handle a certain accounts community management before we had a dedicated community manager as well. God bless Andrea. So, yeah. God bless you, Andrea, <laughs> wherever you are. Um, she's like outside. She's not, (laughs) (laughs) she's at her desk. Yeah. Um, so I was doing a lot of social media posting and the funny thing about social media posting is that when it's your own stuff and you just like whip it off and you're like, you know, it's pretty easy stuff generally, but, uh, community management on a learn is a fairly complicated game can be, uh, little minor issues can be a very big deal. Um, so at first I had, I had a bit of a, you know, <laughs> bumpy a, start. a bumpy start. <laughs> um, so I referred to myself as the Sean Spicer of, uh, pounding grain, which I don't know if he's like old news in the world, but he was briefly the, uh, White House press secretary, secretary. I think he lasted for like maybe a month. Hot minute. Yeah, a hot minute, and he was a disaster. So uh, I took on the name Spicy, and then I think to spare my feelings, the name just Moved from migrated. <laughs> to the <phone. laughs> yeah, uh, but it's one of those things where I gave myself the name, but then was also like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, the name lives on. Yeah, and at least it was spicy. funny. Um, and also very appropriate because some jobs you're just not meant for. <laughs> I feel like cause you're like a little hamster running, running. Well, I would say both. You've, you've got your mind in a bunch of different directions. And that's why I always refer to you as like a dog because you're constantly looking out the window at what's moving by. Yeah. Maybe a squirrel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Mild ADD for sure. Which is funny for someone who's. Also likes just hanging out and sitting, but um, I sit in short bursts. Mm-hmm. Really enjoy sitting. Like I'm not like. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dive into this. Yeah, no, I enjoy. I, I a lot of the things that I do and I pursue or I enjoy are kind of sedentary. Like I love watching movies. I love reading. Uh, I love, you know, I write, and play guitar and things like that. All require sitting and focusing, but. I do think that I have short bursts in me. Like I have mm-hmm. like half an hour stints and then I get up and do something. And then half an hour, that would be like my, the ideal way that I would live. Correct me if I'm wrong, but was your process always like that? Or have you learned now, like I'm the kind of person who needs to take breaks, go for a walk and then I can come back and 
like get the work done. Because I think some people like you probably struggle with honing in and being in the zone for an hour. Not everyone works like that, but that's, I think that's great that you just accept that and you work the way that works for you. Yeah, no, I think I've definitely learned what works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because I, when I was younger, especially, I was torn because I was, I, I enjoyed those things and felt that I was good at them. I always felt that I was sort of like predisposed to the world of writing. It came to me pretty naturally, but also I didn't want a desk job and didn't think that I could handle a desk mm-hmm. job. Um, so I was constantly looking for the perfect 50-50, which is ideal because I also, I, I love physical being, I love physicality, I guess, in, in some sense. Like, I like, I like even some manual labor now and then, frankly, which is crazy. <laughs> but uh, I don't want it to be my life all the time. Yeah. And I want to be able to use my brain. So it is tough to find one of those jobs that has that balance. And I think, though I'm not quite totally in that role, um, a sort of run-and-gun filmmaker is re- really a great one for that. You know, when you go out, you shoot, the rest of your time is spent editing, sitting in front of the computer, or sort of like even before that you'd be concepting. So I think that was that wasn't really where where or why I fell into wanting to be in this world, like this the filmmaking world, but um it was a happy accident in that sense. I just realized that this episode of the podcast is basically your pitch for a standing desk to Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Never happened. For some reason, I don't know. He hates standing desks. Uh, Jackson. He hates standing desks good. and he they're hates Crocs. <laughs> but Crocs somehow made it through the through the fet- <laughs> the filter. Chipping them down, just like <laughs> you know, little bit by bit. Because um, I think the the problem is though he allowed the, the Crocs because he knows that I look stupid wearing them. We all know it. I know it too. <laughs> So but he, he gets a little bit of enjoyment. Yeah, out he gets of it. a little of enjoyment out of it. The standing desk, I think it's I don't I don't look silly enough. <laughs> Maybe if I uh, promise to wear a wig every time I stand <laughs> or something. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, standing desk gotta happen. Love those things, but you know. Further on that's a that's a uh, battle to be won yet. Or Jackson will just say Take your desk outside. <laughs> <laughs> to the parking lot. Yeah, go live out there. <laughs> so are you working on any like personal projects right now? Like I know you've got your music thing that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your Spotify name again? Old Nick. Old Nick. Yeah. Check him out. It's great. Which is I- like um, not my favorite name, frankly, but it was like the first like little tape that I ever made. I just made it that. And, and then, stuck. Well, it's like once you put the stuff out in general, changing the name and migrating it all over to a new name is kind of not even worth it. Well, you must already have some fans because one question submitted is when will the next old Nick movie or music video be released? (laughs) Music video. I don't know. Um, that's based a lot on our uh, videographer here, Andre as well. (laughs) Um, and our music, our last music video was fantastically ridiculous. So, um, good question. They are a lot of fun to make, so that'll be cool. 
Would you like to do a little bit of a rapid fire speed round? Because we've got a bunch of questions that there's no way for me to ever possibly think of a segue between them. Okay, let's do it. Okay, let's start with number one. What was the first drink you ever made as a bartender in your past life? Wow. Like drink drink? Yeah. Great question because there was a lot of stupid drinks that I had to learn Mm. because, you know, like, like dumb fancy ones that no one ever orders. Dumb fancy ones that are like novelty things that are in for a season. In a coconut. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think the first one that I sort of remember was the old fashioned because I. Classic. Yeah. And it was one of those like an American dude asked me for it and I was like, yeah, sure, man. And then like ran in the back and like was asking everybody like, what is this drink and how do I do it? And then. Um, looking it up on my phone. I guess it wasn't so long ago that I couldn't look up things on my phone. So I did that and then made, I'm sure just a horrible old fashioned. <laughs> um, but I got better at it. And then further down the line, I worked at a place that specialized in mojitos and I made about 8 billion of them. Oh my gosh. Um, you do make a mean mojito. They were, that place was known for mojitos and people would come in and just like order mm. 12 at once. And I'd be like, okay, well, you might as well just like sit down for half an hour because yeah. it's going to take a minute or half an hour. Uh, why did it take you so long to cut your hair? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? The funny, I didn't overthink the hair thing as much as it may appear that I did. I just let, just didn't feel like doing it. Cool. And then one day I did. Summer cut. Yeah. I was actually... I guess it's a, uh, there is a bit of a lead up because I was just sick of being hot. It's yeah. so hot. <laughs> <laughs> Background, Nick and I sit across from one another and we have a bit of a ongoing war with whether or not to open the window. <laughs> Which it should be open all the time. But you would think that um, once I cut my hair, I wouldn't want the window open, but nope, still hot. So yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll have to shave and it. And I'm still cold. Yeah, we'll see what happens if I shave it. How has your life changed pre and post Crocs? I think that everything is exponentially better in my life. (laughs) The world (laughs) looks rosier in general and things are looking up. Positivity reigns and my feet are feeling like maximum comfort on two neon clouds. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I am taking that quote for everything. (laughs) Yeah. They are hideous though, but wow, the comfort. They're almost like, they're so ugly and so bright and in your face that it's like, mm-hmm. that's a bold fashion choice. Like, totally. It's like really yeah. good for him. <laughs> I think the, the, even no matter how I feel inside, I have to walk around with supreme confidence or the whole ruse will fall apart. And, you know, it's like, totally. I either look like a dork you just gotta rock or like it. I'm making a statement. And uh, in reality, I'm leaning way closer to the dork side, but <laughs> I just, as long as but I can fake it. But you're comfy AF. As long as I can fake it. Yeah. <laughs> Where, where does uh, safety neck come from? Okay, so I'm a safe man when I ride my bike. And uh, there's a reason, because I've been almost like an eccentric in the way that I ride my bike all year round in Toronto. And I have for like 15 years. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, pretty much since I yeah. moved to the city. And it, it was originally born out of um, poverty. <laughs> I was like, you know, poor student. And just didn't feel like stopping doing that. Uh, And usually the streets are clean enough that I can. And if you wear the right clothes, it's not a big deal. But 
I have been doored three times oh. and had far more near accidents. And the last time I was doored, I was not badly injured, but very badly shaken up. So I decided to get uber safe. And uh, a lot of the clothes that I wear uh, cycling for some reason are black, just like the industry sells black biking clothes, I guess, because they look good. And I don't know why I, there, there was other stuff too. I don't know why that's the stuff I bought, but it is. Um, so yeah, I bought this really dorky vest that lights up. <laughs> that I, it's the safety Nick vest. The safety Nick vest that I wear at night uh, so that I'm lit up like a friggin' Christmas tree out there. So no cars can say that they don't see me coming. Yes. Well, I'm glad that you take precautions because Toronto drivers be crazy. Yeah, they're crazy, man. Uh, who's your favorite person in the office and why is it Andre? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. You don't have to answer that. I know yeah. it's me. Uh, <laughs> where do you want to travel to next? You were just in the Yukon. I was, yeah. What's next on your list? Um, the list is like, pretty wide and varied because there's not many places that I wouldn't like to go if I had the opportunity. Um, high on the list though would have to be Hungary. I'd love to see Budapest. Yeah. Budapest. Budapest. I'd love to see, I've never been to Germany. Love to go to Berlin, especially it's, well, it's still like hedonistic and weird because that's what it's known for. And I don't know if it'll always be like that. Uh, and I've never been to South America at Mm. all. I've been through all of Central America, which you know, it's, these are just like arbitrary border distinctions in one sense, but also I would love to get to, you know, Peru, Chile and so on and so forth. Colombia. They speak Spanish there, right? They sure do. Apparently Chilean, I hope so, but apparently Chilean Spanish is, uh, very difficult. They have their own dialect, right? But you know, it doesn't really, (laughs) can't speak any Spanish really right now. So it doesn't really matter, but Okay, I got a couple more questions for you, and then we're going to have to say goodbye to old Nick mm-hmm. for now. Forever. But I want to know what you're listening to and what you're reading right now. Mm. Do you have recos for, for everyone? Totally. Uh, where to begin with listening? Right now, I love the, the new Big Thief album. It's pretty great. Um, yeah, so my, my, my hot 2019. I love the new Big Thief album. I think Adrian Lecker is like a poet she's amazing also on amazing poets bill callahan just released uh it'll be a four disc set altogether. all the four eps that make up one large lp he's a really interesting guy he recorded for years under the name smog and it was like as an independent artist and then transitioned into his own name and he's released like 20 albums like the gray stuff in the sky or smog like the dragon smog like the great stuff in the sky I think okay. I I'm not really <laughs> sure but he's an interesting like really interesting musician um Aldo Harding um just released an album that I think is really cool these are all they're all kind of in the same vein it's sort of like weird folky lots of words types so um in the other end of the spectrum I loved the new Toro y Moi album that came out this year it's very like fun and Dancy. Oh, I was just listening to that. Yeah, it's good I forget stuff. how I discovered it, but yeah, it's super fun. Mm-hmm. And El Aro Negro, which is, uh, I think he's Venezuelan-American. 
I'm not sure exactly. He's definitely, he's a, a Spanish American, Spanish Latin, Latino American. I don't know exactly, <laughs> but uh, half of his songs are in, are in Spanish and half are in oh, English cool. and he's a, uh, it's pretty neat stuff. Yeah. Uh, I've been reading a book that I randomly picked up at Value Village that sounded cool. Nice. Called Go by a woman named Natsuo Corino who uh, is Japanese and it's sort of like a Japanese like neo-noir. It's really interesting in the sense that it was written in the like mid nineties from a super feminist perspective that funny, funnily enough in 2019 doesn't seem exceptionally feminist to me, but Mm -hmm. that's all of the sort of like reviews surrounding it are all about that because apparently it made quite the, you know, the stir in Japan in the mid nineties. It's about these housewives who are covering up a murder. Mm. Uh, and it's all written from their perspectives by a female author, which was a big deal at the time. Right. I guess. Uh, and it is probably still in a lot of parts of the world now. But, um, you know, a lot of our media right now is um, changed to the point where that doesn't seem like that big of a thing to me at all. Anyways, cool story so far. Pretty gruesome. Sometimes the translation's a little wonky, but I'm, I'm digging it. Um, before that, that I like, read, uh, interview with a vampire, which is like, Oh, I know. Good movie. Also found it at Value Village, but, uh, it was a pretty fun book. Super weird. It sounds like it would be weird. Yeah. Do you remember the movie? Have you no, ever seen it? No, no, I haven't. Oh yeah. I don't even, I've never heard of it. Young Pitt, young Kirsten Dunst. Nope. Tom Cruise. Nope. Pretty good movie. Uh, pretty good book. Those vampires are sexual in that book. <laughs> Seriously, they are like... Vampires are freaky. Yeah, they don't actually have sex, but everything that they do is so hypersexual. Anyways, cool book. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, last question. Um, You have so many interests and there's so many things you want to do. Um, If money wasn't a thing, if there was no budget, what would be like your dream project to kind of take on and do? Wow, I don't dream project in terms of like an artistic contribution yeah yourself i would self-fund a movie that i've written (laughs) that's there's there's no doubt about it Uh, yeah that that's the one that you've Uh, already written or mm -hmm. or well i have to think about it now because i'd start just like slowly building up more of a facility to take care of things like that on my own Mm. so if money weren't an object i'd build a production studio for both, you know, film and music, which is like very vague. I don't really know what that means right now, but I'd just like to create more of more more avenues to facilitate not having to source these things out. Yeah, you um, just want to make more cool. Just want to make cool stuff, and I want to be surrounded by people who are also interested in making cool stuff, and that that will be the, the contribution to the world. If we're done, are we done? I think so. Uh, I just want to say how amazing it is to have been asked all these questions because I think my uh, my inner uh, egomaniac came out and I was just like, yeah, me, me, me. Let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for asking. Well, thanks for being in the hot seat. Thanks for listening to Version Control, the hot seat featuring Nick Kewen. If you liked what you heard, make sure to rate us on iTunes. Until next time.